0: Welcome to The Silver Show podcast, where we talk about silver, gold, mining, and markets. I'm your host, David Stein. I'm an investor advisor, and I founded a silver mining company, Kuya Silver. This podcast is not meant to promote our silver company, uh, but if you are interested in learning more, there are links uh, with the podcast. Our goal is to make mining investing approachable by discussing important topics and investing in a concise and fun way. Today on episode three, we're talking about going public. Now, when many of you think about going public, you think of an IPO or an initial public offering. This is still common and a high profile way to go public, but in the mining sector, an RTO or reverse takeover is in fact far, far more common. Uh, I'm gonna talk about both and compare them. And I think we have time to to cover them both on the same podcast so so here we go um i uh as as someone who's been running a private mining company you know kuya silver which i mentioned earlier um this is something that you know that i have been looking into quite carefully recently and and i take very seriously um you know it's a difficult decision and uh uh and um uh, so let's, let's start with the RTO, which is the more common um, in, in the mining industry, at least in Canada where we are based. So RTOs use a pre-existing listed company as a vehicle for a private company to become public. Now, How this do- is happens is the listed company acquires the private company. Since the private company would have most of the value, they would get most of the shares of the combined entity which is why it's called a reverse takeover. So even though the even though the the listed company, which is the smaller company is taking over the bigger company in the end, you know, the bigger company's shareholders will dominate the new company. Um and in some cases it can be, you know, dramatically so if if you're vending in a very advanced uh, mature uh private company, uh, into a shell company that may may only have a few million market cap or even even only a million or something like that very very small um, then obviously the the uh, the shell shareholders are going to get very very little of the new company so that's that 's a reverse that 's a reverse takeover in how it works now why are they so common in canada well there is a there is a an impression amongst the industry that they are easier to do. Um, they're quicker and easier cheaper um so let me address that i mean i think in terms of uh uh easier that may have been the case at one point but um nowadays uh you know so uh, nowadays the the main requirements uh for the that new company to list are very similar for a rto and an ipo namely that you need a a technical document which is a 40 call a 43101 report in Canada or national instrument 43101 uh document so you need that and you need your you know your audited financials among other you know descriptive uh company I- information um the audited financials and uh and the technical report are are probably the two main uh main documents that that would take the most time to prepare and the most time for the regulators to review and that's not really going to change dramatically whether you do an ipo or an rto so um so i'm not sure that that is in fact the case now um if you do get regulatory approval uh for an rto the uh, listed company calls a shareholder meeting, that meeting can take place you know, within a few months and then the whole transaction is approved. Um, so that part of it can be pretty quick, but uh, you know, at most you're gonna save a few months um, in the process by doing an RTO. And I would say if you're in that much of a hurry that a few months matters, then there may be bigger problems with the company. Um, so, uh, And then finally, is it cheaper well, there's definitely, you know, costs, you know, legal and 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 uh, regulatory costs associated with both. Uh, I, again, an RTO maybe maybe at surface cheaper, but you have to pay for that um, through the dilution. Um, you're going to take a, at least, you know, you're going to take the dilution of that company that is really there for no other reason than to than to get you listed. Um, and so, if that costs you, you know, half a million or a million dollars in dilution, well, that's probably way more than an IPO would cost. Um, the benefit to an RTO, one of the major benefits, though, is that you immediately get, or you can immediately get, a shareholder base. Um, IPOs require a minimum number of shareholders, which, as a private company, can be very difficult to to get. Um, you know, either two hundred or three hundred shareholders do you need for an IPO depending on whether you're listing on a on the junior exchange or the major or the big board the main the main exchange in canada um so uh and of course um getting listed is one thing but then you want the stock to have some trading liquidity and that typically requires you know thousands of shareholders or you know at least a thousand or more um, because obviously not everyone is going to be trading your stock all the time. In fact, you hope that they are not. You hope you have some buy and, buy and hold shareholders in there. So um, so all that goes into the, the sort of the calculation and the art and the science of, of, of how you go public. Um, now, of the RTO vehicles, there's sort of two ways i guess um uh, two types of rtos that are slightly different so one would be that i would call uh, a naked shell and a naked shell has really no material assets they might have a, a listed they might have a property just to maintain their listing but it's of no value or a very little value so there that's a naked shell may or may not have cash um you hope it doesn't have any liabilities uh, uh but it's really the sole purpose for for the private co is is just to use this as a vehicle to get listed um and it really adds no other other value the second slightly different uh rto uh kind of um uh method is to use a company that has a property that may be compatible with your with your line of business um and you know that sounds more like a merger um yes it is. But but um in in the Canadian mining sector there's actually there can be, depending on what commodity you're in and country that you want to focus in, there can be ample opportunity for these types of RTOs to occur. Um where the private co is still gonna be the major shareholder of the new company, but that the the, the shell might have an asset that that the um that the private co or the collective management team deem to have value. Um now why is that the case? Well, if you actually look at the um the TSX Venture Exchange and the TSX right now, now we're recording this podcast in in uh in September 2019. Um so the the markets are still pretty bad for junior companies. Um you know, better than they were maybe a year ago, but but still on the weak weak side historically and you're looking at uh, well over five hundred companies listed in Canada, just in the mining sector, that have a market cap of five million or less, so even though i 'm sure many of those companies have real management teams and and sort of are are kind of fighting the good fight, I kind of look at all those as shells i mean, if you 've got a market cap of five million or less, the market does not believe that you 've got any value you know much if any any value or any hope of of doing anything so um you know that's kind of a brutal way of looking at it, but that's that's the way I look at it and and there are some even some bigger companies out there that would be considered shells as well, either because they're they've got inactive projects or management or they might just be sitting with a lot of cash that the market might value um, so there are hu- literally hundreds of potential shells out there um, and therefore some of them might actually be um, more synergistic um, i e have some compatible properties than than just doing what what I would call naked shell Um, so um, just quickly on IPOs IPOs um, the benefit of IPOs are really that they are completely clean so you do not get any baggage of any you know liabilities having to make any severance payments to management and and uh, you know and and the market does like a new story so um there's something certainly more high profile about ipos um that being said you know they 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 are not very common in the mining industry another me- reason might be that um most companies most metals and mining companies go public very very early um you know kind of at the exploration phase to get access to that that high risk capital um, when you do see a, a more mature, you know, kind of company, mining company going public, that's just kind of a better opportunity for an IPO. And we we have seen a few, but but really only a handful in the past few years. Um, and some of them have been very very successful. Um, uh, an IPO is it would be almost always accompanied with a a uh, retail roadshow. Uh, so you would have one of the one of the banks, one of the broker dealers that has a big retail presence, would would probably lead or be involved heavily involved in marketing that IPO, um, and uh, as a result, you'll be able to you'd you'd expect you can pick up quite a few shareholders that way, um, assuming the roadshow successful. So that's kind of how those bigger companies, those higher profile companies, can deal with the 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 limited number of shareholders through an IPO and and still make the company uh, a big success so um so that is that is it for for uh going public um hope you enjoyed this podcast and uh we will uh we'll see you next time